you have a Bible with you today, find the book of Acts, and uh, we're going to be in chapter number two. Acts chapter two, if you have a paper Bible, also find John 16, and you can kind of put your finger in there, and we're going to kind of be there in a moment as well. Uh, But I am excited to get to the Bible today. Today is just the second week of a two-part series, like a mini little series of messages. We've called it the pattern, Uh, the pattern. And last week, we started with some math. Do you remember that, if you were here? And we did a math equation together, and uh, all the smart people come to the first service, and so we had no issues in this service. We won't talk about what happened next service, but that's okay. Uh, But we're going to do something much easier today, and for the sake of time, this is only going to take about 15 seconds. Go ahead and put that slide up here for me. Okay, can you find the mistake? Now quickly look through all of that stuff and find the mistake very quickly. You have about five seconds to find the mistake. Five Four, three, two, one. I'll give you the answer. They spelled the word mistake wrong if you didn't see it. Okay, there you go. It wasn't in the numbers at all. You were thrown off. How many of you are like, saw it right away? Raise your hand if that's you. Holy moly. See how smart you guys are? How many of you are like, still don't see it? Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to spell mistake, so I don't know what's going on. I just graduated and I'm smarter and stuff. Or something like that, but that's good. But we are, we are focusing on a pattern that we see in the book of Acts, uh, which is really the beginning of, the book of Acts tells the story of the beginning of the Christian church, the beginning of Christianity, really. And we see this pattern multiple times, but let me just point to the first time we see it, in case you weren't here last week, Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The pattern that we see again and again in the book of Acts is salvation, which in this word would be repent, be baptized in water, um, and then we see something with the Holy Spirit, and we see this again and again. We could call it the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is the phrase that Jesus used, and we're going to show that again. Uh, salvation, water baptism, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 8, we see this, Acts chapter 19, clear examples of this pattern. We saw this last week as we took time to look at all of those types of things. And if you were here, we started talking, we talked about the topic of water baptism last Sunday. And uh, we talked about how different churches within Christianity do water baptism differently. Uh, We took time to explain why we do water baptism the way that we do it here, uh, which is very different than many or even most of you grew up in. As we, I had you raise hands last week if your background was from the Catholic or Lutheran church, and it was like 114% of us raised our hand. It was pretty nuts about just the area that we live in. Uh, and so our water baptism here is, is, is different than many of us grew up in. Next Sunday morning, we are going to have a, a large hot tub looking tank up on, the, up on our stage and we are going to baptize people in water. It's going to be different. We're not going to sprinkle people. Uh, we're, we're not, it's, you're not going to see babies involved in this at all. Uh, and we will take people all the way under the water hold them down there for a little bit, Uh, and no, I'm just kidding, but we take them all the way under the water, a symbolic event of Jesus' death and resurrection, and we raise them up out of the water. We get to hear their stories a little bit, and we will celebrate together, and it will be an, an incredible moment as we celebrate what God has done and what God is doing in some of the people in our family, in our church family here. 
Uh, and so that's going to be so different for some of you, though, to watch for the very first time, because uh, we know that, that many of us have not been coming to this church very long, and so it's going to be just um, a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, uh, today we're, we're focusing on this third part, and that is this part with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to hopefully... Um, clarify some things as some of us are confused even at this moment. But uh, before we get into that, I want us to begin by praying together. And so please stand with me all over this place. And uh, let's just invite God into this moment. We know God is everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent is the churchy word to use. But there are moments when God shows himself in a little bit of a different way. And so we're just asking for him to um, speak to us through his very word in such a real way today. And so, God, we invite you into this moment right here, that as we open up your word, that you would enlighten, that you would show us things, that you would challenge us and change us and work, convict us, God. Uh, help us, Lord, to just humbly approach this today. We love you and we need you. Help me, use me, God, uh, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth today would just not be my own thoughts and stuff, but Lord, that you would just clearly be here. And so we just give this to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. <clears throat> wow. Kind of a rowdy bunch today. Okay, um, before we get too far into this conversation about the Holy Spirit, and understand this right out, right out of the gate. We need about two months in a row to talk about the Holy Spirit to fully just kind of begin to dive into the biblical approach to this. I was, um, I was listening to a, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite preachers, and he actually doesn't even really align with the same theology that I have in some of this stuff. But I was listening to him speak on this, and he did a four-hour teaching on it. And they would do an hour, and they would take a little break, and then they would do an hour, and I was like, holy moly. And so I don't think we'll get to four hours, but maybe three. So we'll, some of you are like, is he joking? I don't know what's going on. You're in the first service. we got to get second service in here. You know I'm joking with that. But there is so much to this topic of the Holy Spirit all throughout the Scripture that we are just going to begin this conversation um, on this topic. Uh, it is a topic that is highly debated uh, not, not what we see in the Bible, that's not really debated, but how this plays out in life today is highly debated. There are scholars who spend uh, years and years of their life studying this stuff that are on all sorts of different sides of this equation and this conversation. So just understand from the very beginning of this talk today, we are taking a very humble approach and trying to navigate things that are confusing navigate things that, uh, um, you know, the, Isaiah 55 says, just says that God's ways are higher than I, ours, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we are dealing with a supernatural topic here of things that we can never fully grasp, but we are to study and to talk and to seek and to pray and to figure out some of this type of stuff as we are human and we just humbly approach all of this today. Okay, so here we go. Let's begin with something that Jesus told his disciples before he was crucified. So this is towards the end of his life. Jesus gathers his disciples together before he's crucified. Uh, John chapter 16, which is an entire section on Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says this. He says, it is good, it is for your good 
that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus talks to his disciples and he tells them that he should leave. He needs to leave. He needs to leave earth. He's not going to be here forever. The disciples are sitting there going, I don't get it. What's going on here? What do you mean you got to leave? They don't understand. And Jesus says, unless I leave the Holy Spirit, and in this phrase we have the advocate. He's going to go on. I'm not going to show you this for the sake of time, but the verses after, he's going to talk about the Spirit of God and the Spirit of truth. Zero scholars disagree that the advocate here um, is the Holy Spirit. And, and that word advocate, it's the Greek word parakletos, paraklete. Uh, it just means someone who comes alongside. It's often translated just as the helper. Like, so Jesus says, the helper is going to come. Someone's going to come alongside of you. And again, the disciples are going, what is the Holy Spirit? We don't even understand what is going on here. A short time later, Jesus is crucified. And then, of course, he raises from the dead. The Bible says 500 people saw Jesus after he rose from the dead and over about a 40 day period of time. And at that point, Jesus then gathers these same, same disciples and some others with him, closest followers of Jesus. And he, he says to them, I'm leaving, but I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there until the Holy Spirit shows up. And then he leaves earth. And the story says that 120 followers of Jesus, Jesus is now gone, 120 of them go to the city of Jerusalem. They're sitting right there. They gather together in an upper room of a home of some sort, um, and they are waiting, just like Jesus told them to do. And that brings us to Acts chapter 2, and here's what happens. All craziness starts breaking loose. Okay, it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Could you imagine? You're in a room, and all of a sudden, like, there's wind and sound, and now, like, it's crazy what's happening here. Uh, and verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, that separated and came to rest on each of them. What is a tongue of fire? I have no idea what a tongue of fire is. Little flames of fire resting on people's heads in this room is the best we can kind of come up with for this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They are waiting, just like Jesus told them to do. The Holy Spirit shows up. There's wind. There's fire. There's supernatural things happening. There's some symbolism here that we don't have time to talk about. Uh, this is on the day of Pentecost, and, and uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, we have similar, a similar event that happens on Mount Sinai with Moses, with wind and fire, okay? And that was the beginning of Pentecost and all this. Okay, we don't have time for all of that, but it, understand there's deeper things, symbolic things happening all over the place, but everyone in that room is filled with the Holy Spirit, and the story begin, says they begin to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And what we have in Acts chapter 2, and this is not debated at all among scholars, is that the Holy Spirit um, is showing up in this way really for the first time, just like Jesus said it would. 
And it's what we see. And, and this isn't the only time that we see this happening in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, we read about the Holy Spirit filling, filling people. Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And these Gentile people begin to speak in other languages and other tongues. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Acts chapter 19, hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem and Ephesus. Paul prays with these believers and the Holy Spirit comes. And they spoke in other languages. And spoke in tongues is a word. Okay, in the book of Acts, we see this experience with the Holy Spirit just kind of happen again and again. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit poured out. These are the type, type of language that we have in the early church as the, as the Christian church was really beginning. Okay? And in the majority of the accounts of these experiences, the, these people began to speak in other tongues, is what it says. Okay, so let's just talk this out briefly and, and uh, understand again, this will be a summarized version of this entire topic of the Holy Spirit. At some point, we'll do a series of messages on this again, and we can really dive deeper into a whole, uh, whole bunch. But... Uh, at this point, we're just going to take a couple questions that you're asking right now. You have, and I'm just assuming you're asking for some of these questions and we're going to answer them. Are you ready? Number one, first, who is the Holy Spirit? Let's start right there at the beginning because some of us are going, the Holy Spirit, what does that even mean? The most basic answer to the question of who is the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is God. And so let's just start right here. If you're saying Holy Spirit is weird. I don't want Holy Spirit. I don't want anything to do with that. Just understand what you're saying here is I don't want, I don't want more of God because the Holy Spirit is God. To take it a step further, the Holy Spirit is God who dwells in followers of Christ, at least in the New Testament. After Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with, at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This section of scripture in 1 Corinthians is actually talking about having sex outside of marriage. It's a whole context of that in that way. But in this section, the author just reminds the readers that their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the temple in the first century was significant. Uh, it was thought to be where God's very presence dwelt uh, in Jerusalem, in this special place. The temple was there and God was there. But when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2 and fills people, uh, Paul writes, do you know that the Holy Spirit, that God actually lives inside of you now as followers of Christ? God lives in you. He dwells inside of you. The Holy Spirit is God, and he resides in Christians. It's God inside of you uh, in that way, okay? To speak to us, to lead us, to convict us when we're going the wrong way, to help us, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Question number two. Lots of us are thinking this and asking this. What in the junk is speaking in tongues? And what is going on here? What do we see? Uh, and here's a formal definition of speaking in tongues straight out of like a Bible dictionary. Speaking in tongues is the act of speaking a language one did not acquire by natural means that may or may not be intelligible by another human. That's confusing, all right? But, so a couple things here first. We're starting at the very beginning. The word tongues in the Bible is actually as simple as the word language, languages, 
is all that that is. So we don't really talk about tongues and we don't say that word, you know, in the way that we talk in normal life. You know, it's like, what, are you taking, you know, some of, some of the kids in school, you're like, what, what class are you taking? I got my Spanish tongues class, you know, like that, that's weird, isn't it? But that's just what the word means. It's, it's just tongue. The word is a language, is the simplicity of this entire thing here. English, Spanish, French, those are different tongues. But what makes these biblical tongues a bit different is that the speaker never learned the language. At least this is what we're seeing. They are speaking in a language that they do not know. And here's where things get even more confusing. Sometimes in the Bible, they spoke in these languages that they didn't know and people around them understood them. Okay? Uh, But sometimes it didn't work that way. Let me show you this quick. Acts chapter 2 the story says the Holy Spirit began to fill these people. We had the, the sound of wind and the little fires, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. And the people around them hear what they hear, a bunch of chaos and craziness, and they come like running. People from the city begin to gather around. And here's what the Bible says, Acts 2-7, utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? That's like where they're from. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And then skipping to verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And you can see right there in our own tongues, it's just language is what that is. The Holy Spirit fills these believers. All this stuff happens. They begin to speak in a language that they don't even know. Uh, And Uh, And it just so happens that the city of Jerusalem in that moment is filled with all sorts of foreigners who have come. It's It's the celebration, the Jewish holiday called Pentecost, and the city is filled with foreigners from hundreds of miles away. And these foreigners walk up and they're hearing these people speak their language. It's, it's, it's craziness is what we have uh, in this way. The foreigners can hear the people speaking in their own language. They were declaring the wonders of God in that way. Uh, in the early 1900s, there's uh, history records um, an event called the Azusa Street Revival. And for some of us, maybe you've heard of that and some of you haven't. But it was like 1907, 1908, where... Um, history says that there was this movement of the Holy Spirit in California where a bunch of things like we see in the book of Acts begin to happen in this place and people came from all over and experienced this and um, it was quite controversial though in that day. In fact, one of the stories that has survived of that time and you read about this in history books is uh, like the New York Times and the Washington Post and all them would they would send people to go to reporters to go see what was going on and write stories about this. One, one like well-known reporter from the East Coast was sent all the way across the country. And, uh, and this reporter actually was an immigrant who was from a small European little village where they kind of had their own little dialect. And they used certain words in different ways and different things. And this guy was sent to this place across the country to go check this out and write a a newspaper article about the craziness that was happening in California is what was going on. Well, he shows up. He's super skeptical about this. He's kind of standing in the back and all this type of stuff. And all of a sudden, he begins to hear someone talking in his language is what history tells us. Like they begins to his foreign little dialect. And he walks up to this person and he says, you know, 
in, in his language, he says to them, where did you learn to speak this language? Where are you from? And the person looked at him like they were crazy, like didn't understand at all what was going on. And so finally he turns to him in English and, and, and says, where did you learn to speak that? And the person just said, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I don't know that language. And so we have a crazy story even in that way from that. But so in the Bible, we have this speaking in tongues, sometimes being heard and understood by somebody else. We're just looking at what the Bible says here and trying to do this right here, okay? But we also have times speaking in tongues in the Bible that seems to be an unknown language, uh, like not a real language from earth, or at least the purpose seems to be different. Let me show you this quickly. This is 1 Corinthians 14, which talks a lot about speaking in tongues, okay? Uh, in fact, the book of Acts, we read stories of it happening. In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes a letter teaching about this idea of speaking in tongues, okay? Uh, verse, and this is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. He writes, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Now, wait a minute. No one understands them. They are mysteries by the Spirit. We just read Acts chapter 2 where people did understand them. And so, like, they heard them declaring the glories of God in their own language. Okay, verse 13. Let's continue. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is going on here? What is Paul writing? Uh, well, Paul is in the middle of a section of Scripture where he's talking about something called spiritual gifts or gifts of the Holy Spirit is what he's writing about. And he basically says, hey, there are these supernatural gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to different people in the body of Christ, okay? to strengthen and encourage and build up the followers of Jesus. And at, at, at times, they're used as incredible signs to unbelievers. This is what he's telling to this first century church, at least, is what we have. It's things like supernatural wisdom from God, knowledge, prophecy, even physical healing and miracles. God uses, the Holy Spirit sends these and gifts people in certain moments with this stuff. And in this list of all of that, he includes speaking in other tongues, and he includes the interpretation of those tongues as part of these spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. But then he also seems to talk about and switch things and seems to talk about this idea of speaking in tongues as prayer. We see this in verse 14, uh, where he says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So we're having this weird disconnect where he's saying, I'm praying in a way that I don't understand. My mind is like not even completely connected to this. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. And I read this stuff, and people read this stuff, and it just doesn't sound like the same type of speaking in tongues we saw in Acts chapter 2. Things seem to be complicated and different. The spiritual gifts thing, praying in tongues in this way, when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, or you could say the, spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of me prays and lives in me. Okay, so what shall I do? He says, I'll pray in the spirit. I pray with understanding. I sing with my spirit. I also sing with understanding. So back to our question which we asked a long time ago, and I'm not sure. This is, this is confusing. 
Back to our question, what's going on here with all this stuff in, with speaking in tongues? The answer is it is complicated. And like the scripture talks a lot about this, but it also doesn't talk a lot about it. If, I, if that doesn't make any sense. And I mean, it doesn't give us a whole lot of depth in some of what this is. We have stories in the Bible where this happens, and we have teachings of it, about it in letters, and we seem to have speaking in tongues play out in different ways at different times in the Bible uh, as a super, again, a supernatural way where it seems to communicate to someone who hears it and understands it, but also a gift of the Spirit, also praying, uh, okay? Um, and all of this leads to the final question, and so here's where we're at. Because at this point, at all this point with this stuff, I really haven't said anything controversial. A lot of churches would agree, yes, this is what we see in the Bible, and yes, this is what Paul wrote, and yes, 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 and all this stuff. But the final question is, is any of this still happening today? And what do we do with it? Is it hap- That's the question. Is this happening today? Is this experience that we read about in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19 and 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, is any of this relevant to today? Now, just like we talked about a few weeks ago as we talked about the topic of divine healing, we're going to wrap this up in a bow really in quickly, okay? But just like we talked about in our conversation with supernatural healing, and we asked the question, does Jesus still heal today? That was just a few weeks ago. This question of is this still happening today and how does this play out today is highly debated. And you have different churches who, who go in different directions. And so um, let me just kind of give you a little glimpse of two, two sides of this argument. And so go ahead and put this next um, this next slide up here for me, okay? So we have two almost extremes of how we understand this as, speak, as this idea of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. On one side, we have what's called cessationism, the cessationist movement. This would be conservative Baptists and some different things, uh, found, fundamentalist type of things, okay? For some of us, you know and understand that and others. But basically, the word cessationism means ceased. We have ceased. And so we have this idea of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a second experience for today, which basically what we mean by that is Acts chapter 2. These people had already received Jesus as their Lord, and then they had a secondary experience with the Holy Spirit that came with all this stuff and played out. Um, They're saying that is not for today. Speaking in tongues, spiritual gifts, and the moving of the Holy Spirit in that way ceased with the death of the apostles. The, the argument here, and understand this, they, they have biblical things that they turn to on this side for sure that would, that would support their argument. They have scholars that believe on that side, and so I don't mean in any way on either sides of these to discount that because scholars are on both sides of this and understand that, okay? But the idea is that this was a transitional season of, uh, of, of the spiritual plan of God And when Jesus went away and the Holy Spirit came and everything changed and the new church was set up, it was all of these signs and wonders and things we don't understand were happening in that season. But once the apostles died and once the Bible began to be put into and we had what's called the canon, then those things ceased to happen. That's one side. The other side would be the word Pentecostalism. And that is the idea that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience that is still happening today. Spikaking, 
in tongues, <laughs> spiritual gifts, and the move, oh my goodness, <laughs> and the moving of the hooey spirit. <laughs> Whoever put this together is getting fired, Corey. <laughs> I said that I did it. It was me. And I don't know. That, wow, that's fantastic. Okay, but, um, but you, you understand. So Pentecostalism would say that there's a salvation experience that a person happens, and then just like we see in Acts chapter 2 and 8 and 19 and 10, that there is a secondary experience that believers should be seeking and praying for where the Holy Spirit comes um, and that the speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the moving of the Holy Spirit are still relevant and happening today. That's Pentecostalism. Now understand this. There is a side farther than that that actually says that if you do, that if you do not speak in tongues, you don't go to heaven. I didn't even put this on the list because I feel like that is so heretical and so far away from what the Bible points to in any, any sort of way. But their argument would be that the, the speaking in tongues is this sign that all of this has happened inside of you. That's not on here. We do not believe that. And there are sometimes people that come in and they think we believe that. And we really don't. So let me be super clear. Like, okay, you don't have to speak in tongues in order to go to heaven. That I feel like that is so unbiblical in that way. But this is the extremes. And then in between, in between these, we have different levels of, of understanding of different things and different <laughs> theologies that fit into this, okay? So then the question just becomes, as we kind of begin, get ready to wrap this all up, where do we fit in? And let me, and let me just again say this. I, I have spent, I've spent so much time reading books about this stuff, studying, talking to people on both sides. Um, there, there are, if you search this on Google, you can find people who are supporting their arguments with the Bible on every side of this and everything in between. So just understand that it's, it's not always as simple. Some of this is us humbly looking at this and saying, where do we believe and where do we fit? As us as a church, we definitely, though, are a Pentecostal church. We are a church that believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we believe the Holy Spirit is still moving and working today. Um, we are filled in our church family with people who wouldn't fully agree with that, and we are open, and we are, okay, but we, we believe this. And now, and, and let me kind of say it this way. One of the things that we see is that people, people have a weird fear of anything with the word the Holy Spirit because there's a bunch of weird stuff that has happened in the name of the Holy Spirit. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, three of us. Some of you are like, I don't know what to do. I don't raise my hand in church, is what someone just said. Okay. Uh, but, but there's all sorts of weird stuff that has happened in the name of the Holy Spirit. There are craziness and psycho things, and there are people that take this so far, and things get weird. And as soon as we even mention the Holy Spirit, the fear is like, I don't want any of that because I don't want to be weird. Can I just tell you that those people were weird even without the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Like, can I just say that and, and in the nicest way? In fact, studies right now say that one out of three people are weird in America. So what I want you to do, I want you to look to the person to your right, look to the person to the left. If neither one of those are weird, okay, no, we're having some fun with this, but, 
Uh, the reality is that for some that in our that in our neck of the woods here, this this understanding of the Bible and the way that we see it, Pentecostalism and some of that, is kind of the minority. But understand that's not the case in the world. Did you know that current statistics, uh, just, in, just in our denomination, which is called the Assemblies of God, um, we are about 60 to 70 million strong in America. We are about 670 million strong in the world. So understand, understand this, that when we talk about something like this, it's not a small little group. In fact, um, Pentecostalism would be the second largest version or denomination in Christianity worldwide, only second to Catholicism, and it's actually fairly close. That there is a massive movement of people in our world that believe that the Holy Spirit is still moving in supernatural ways like we see in the New Testament. And here's what we see in our denomination and in Pentecostalism. There is no church movement in our world right now that has grown and is growing like the Pentecostals over the past last few decades. It is taking off overseas more than in America. We see incredible movements where countries are being transformed in different ways through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so for me, I have, I have a great respect for people who want to dive in and study the Bible and have conversations and all of that. And I humbly approach that with people and have conversations. But experience for me and what I see in the scripture is that there is a powerful, powerful, there is more than we have right now, all the time that the Holy Spirit of God is working and moving and speaking and doing incredible things in and through people all the time, every single day. And my purpose in this conversation today is not to try to necessarily convince you of one side or the other or anything else, but just to lay out this idea that there is so much more than you, than you have right now. There is more than you understand there is more than you have. There is more of God. And for me, I, I believe in a version of Christianity that should be seeking more of the Holy Spirit in our lives all of the time as we hear his voice, as we listen to him, as we walk out in power and reach the people around us with the name of Jesus. Will you stand with me all over this place? I have found, and the question that we often get asked is like, I mean, and there's all sorts of questions on this, and, and, and I'll just say this, if you want more information about it, I've, we've done series of messages on the topic of the Holy Spirit in the past, and you, can, and you could go through four weeks breaking down little things and all this type of stuff. Today was like super general and all of that. Uh, but we just get asked sometimes like, how does this stuff happen and understand Understand, God never forces himself on anybody in any way. That is not how anything in any of this works. And for some of us, we have a fear of this stuff. Maybe someone you knew went a little wackadoodle with some things, or maybe things got really, you saw some TV preacher doing things, and you're like, that is not what I want to be a part of. I'm just here to tell you that you can be someone who fully seeks the Holy Spirit in your life and not be super weird. 
you can be that. And there is just a hunger for more of God that I have in my life, more of Him than I've ever had before. And we begin to ask God to fill us, ask God to show Himself and to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to move in your life in a way like never before. And I believe as we begin to hunger and thirst for the things of God that we will be filled. We will be filled. God, we just pray in this moment right here for you to bring clarity and bring truth and bring help. We truly do worship you, God. We want to see your name be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. We want to see you glorified. And God, we want, Holy Spirit, for you to move in our hearts and in our lives in a way that gives us power and boldness and more of you, that we would hear your voice clearer, that we would follow your lead, that we would grow and learn to love you in different ways, and that our lives would be more and more about you. God, we humbly ask for you to fill us. Holy Spirit, we need you in this church. We need you in our families. We hunger for you, oh God. Music team, you can please come. Maybe you're here today and you have never responded to the message of Jesus. We talked about our little pattern being, you know, way at the beginning, salvation, and then we had baptism in water, and then we had the Holy Spirit. It's what we just kind of see, the pattern we see in Acts. And maybe you're here and you have never responded to the message of Jesus, a message that he died for you, a message that there is grace and forgiveness and a God who loves you, who, who gave a gift of salvation and those who, who say yes to that and those who put their trust and their faith in Jesus will be saved from their sins. That the, that's what the Bible said, the word the Bible uses. But with no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection before we go, maybe you're here today and you would just simply say, I have never responded to that message. I've never given my life to God. I've never asked him to forgive me and all of that stuff and I want to do that today. If that's you, you can just, you can do that right now. It's just a, it, it starts by just praying honestly before God in that way. And so if that's you and you're just saying, I want to respond to the message of God in my life, Jesus in my life today. If that's you, just show me your hand. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond to the message of Jesus in your life. Anyone else, just a moment longer. Church, let's just pray together. Pray this with me. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? We just celebrate you, God, and what you're doing. And God, I pray that as we walk out these doors today, that we would humbly seek your face, God. That we would tell people your story. That we would show people your love, God. That you would challenge us and change us and move us. Oh God, in ways like never before, we come to you hungry for more of you. We thank you, Lord, and it's in the beautiful, life-changing name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen.